0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly sermon podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's sermon. Good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning. Was it cold enough for you when you got up? Golly, I was ready for summer after last week. And uh, yeah, well, anyway, the sun is shining and it'll be a great day. Very delighted to be able to speak to you this morning. My name is Ron, and uh, so for the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to guide you through God's Word. And, um, I was telling some people on the way in this morning, this will probably be one of the most exciting messages I ever get to deliver in my entire life. So if this is your first time at New Life, you came on the right Sunday, all right? We are going to have a great time this morning. Um, and so I want to welcome you uh, on that journey. In your program, you'll find a sheet of notes folded in half that will guide you through what I'm going to say over the next few minutes. Uh, on the information table, for those of you who want the Cliff Cliff's Notes version of about a 400-page book on heaven, I think there's 20 or 30 of them, and they're free. So the first 20 or 30 people that get there, um, you'll get kind of a Cliff's Notes version. Of Randy Alcorn's book called Heaven. I know a number of you have purchased the book and are beginning to read it. And uh, I, I, I know that it will give in greater detail things that I've only been able to approach. And this morning I apologize uh, right up front. I'm, I'm going to open your minds to some things that maybe you've never thought about before, but they clearly are in Scripture. I won't have the time to flesh them all out with detail and so forth, um, but I do hope that it whets your appetite. I hope that uh, that uh, it uh, really opens your heart to what God has in store for you because, you know, the, the the clearer your concept of reality is, the more secure you feel in life because at least you know what's true. Jesus alluded to that when he said one day, he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In other words, the truth will generate in you a freedom and a security and a joy because you know how things are. Well, this morning we're going to talk about lifestyles of the redeemed and eternal. And we've been talking about God's plan kind of from way back in the beginning all the way to the very end, and so let me give you a very brief review of where we've been so far. First of all, the first sermon we had was in the beginning, and we saw a number of things. First of all, we saw that God had an original plan, that man was made in God's image and given the honor of ruling the earth for God's glory. Now, we didn't stay doing that very long because in the very next chapter, after hearing that, we have the record of the original sin, which was the second thing. Convinced that God was holding out on him, man decided to go against God's plan. And that's when things began to fall apart. And then we saw the origin, God's promise of an original Savior. In fact, the original and only Savior. Even as God was laying out the consequences for sin, which were death, decay, disease, and disharmony, He also gave the first promise of a coming Savior. And that's really what virtually the rest of the Bible is about. Then in the second sermon, we talked about Uh, the concept of redeeming man. Since God was going to redeem man, what did that take? Well, the first thing we learned is that the one and only entrance requirement for heaven is perfect holiness. In other words, sinlessness and perfection. That's the only way we get in, and it's a good thing because if anything less than perfect holiness got into heaven, it would still be earth and not heaven, correct? Correct. Wouldn't be any better than what we have here. So that's going to require a completely good God in order to forgive us and cleanse us and redeem us. The second thing it's going to require is a willing and qualified Savior. And We took a look at how that ended up to be Jesus and what, what a, a, a wonderful thing Jesus did for us. And then last of all, we saw that it took more than just a completely good God and a willing and qualified Savior. It took a personal choice. God wouldn't force that on us, but the choice is there for us to make. And then last week we took a look at God's choice to redeem the earth. And as God had done with man, so He chose to redeem the physical earth that you and I live on, that we were created to live in. And so what all was included in that? Well, we learned these things. First of all, we learned that God was going to give us a resurrection to our earthly bodies, that we were not going to be disembodied spirits floating around out there somewhere in space, but that we would have physical bodies much like we have today. Secondly, we learned that God was going to resurrect this present earth. In other words, He was going to remake this earth, and and make it into an earth that would last forever in which he calls the in the Bible over and over again the new heavens and the new earth. And then we learn that God was going to bring heaven and earth together and that heaven would no longer be out there where God lived and earth would no longer be here where man lived, but that God would bring heaven and earth together and therefore we would live with God forever and He would live with us. And that was something that Adam and Eve never knew. You know, the concepts I'm talking to you about have been concepts that come from deep, deep, deep within the heart of every single person. If you have ears to hear it and you listen for it, you, you can hear it even in our culture. Because what I'm talking to you about is not just a desire that Christian people have. It's a desire that, that is spoken of often, even out there in the secular or non-Christian world. And uh, in 1996, a rock band by the name of Creed released a song that the worship band is going to come and do for you now. And I want you to listen to the words, because in it, they pose the question, can you take me higher? There's a phrase in there that talks about that being the cry of the human heart, and it really is. Most of us, virtually all of us, when it comes to the end of our life, we want to believe that there's something beyond this life. The Bible gives a very, very, very positive answer to that. So let's take a look at what God says is on the other side of death for those who are redeemed. First of all, I need to introduce you to a thought that some of you probably have never thought of, or it's a new concept, and that is there's a present heaven and there's a future heaven. If God's going to remake this earth, as we learned about last week, and this earth is going to become our eternal home, what happens to people who die now? Well, the Bible's very clear about that. They go to paradise, and so the present heaven is paradise, and. So what what does the Bible say about that paradise? Well, let me give you four or five things that the Bible says about that paradise. First of all, Jesus is there. No doubt about that. In fact, uh, those of you who have maybe been to church uh, most of your life will remember that on the cross, Jesus said to that one thief, today you will be with me. Where? In paradise. Paul said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. It means that Jesus is there, and that's one of the things that's going to make paradise paradise. In my margin, I wrote these two words, unlimited companionship. It means that you and I will see Jesus. It means that we will talk with Him. It means we will have unlimited access to Him. It means we can sit and visit with Him. It means we can ask Him things about His life on this earth that we don't know the answers to now. It means we can ask Him things about our life on this earth that right now don't make any sense to us. We have unlimited access to the one and only Savior of the world. And, and paradise is paradise because Jesus is there the second thing that the bible says about this paradise is that the redeemed are there in fact the angels carried speaking of one man in scripture the angels carried him to abraham's side you see abraham was there and as if you were to read that whole story you would find out a number of things about paradise but basically probably most of you in this room have a grandmother or a grandfather or a father, or a mother, or an aunt, or an uncle that are no longer with you, but someday you hope to look into their eyes. Someday you hope to hug them again. Someday you hope to sit down with them and reminisce about what you went through in this life. How much they mean to you. And the Bible says to us over and over and over again, That those who have died and they are redeemed, those who have chosen to give their lives to Christ, those who have chosen to trust Him for salvation, that we can know for sure that they are in paradise today. And that someday, should Christ tarry in His coming, and we die first, we will go to be with them. It's a very, very comforting thing. I've got two sets of grandparents and a father that I really want to see. Number Three, by the way, it will be a place of continual reunion. The concept is this let's go back to the concept. The concept is this: We will all be we will be with all the other redeemed people. i I, I kind of wrote in my margin, continual reunion. Can you imagine what goes on in heaven every day as people die from this earth and they get and they get uh, imported and, and welcomed into paradise? And uh, every day it's like, okay, who checked in this morning? Is that somebody I know? It's, It's a pretty cool place. And number three is this, that the tree of life is there. What's so great about the tree of life? Well, the tree of life evidently it's what enables us to live forever and we will have unlimited access to the tree of life. But what I wrote in my notes is this concept of being fully alive. I don't know if you caught it in the last song that that the worship band just sang, but it says, I feel like I'm alive for the very first time. For the first time, you and I will know what unlimited, undefiled, and pure life feels like. Because even when we were young, we were born into a world of toil. And so this is going to be like feeling alive for the very first time. And you can rest assured that, that, that uh, no matter what took the life of your grandmother or grandfather or whomever, no matter how twisted, contorted, and decimated their earthly body was when they died, that they are fully alive for the very first time in paradise and they are loving life. Why? Because the tree of life is there and they eat from it every day. Here's a fourth thing that the Bible says about paradise. The emphasis is on rest. In fact, that's the one word that God uses to describe paradise over and over again. You'll see It says, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Can I say to you that if you live in this world and you miss your ticket to God's eternal rest, I don't care what you accomplished in this life. It was a bad deal. That's why Jesus said it like this. What is a man gained? If he, if, he, if he gains the whole world, but loses his own soul. Boy, if you miss out on paradise. You'll look back at however many years you lived on this earth. And you will say, what was I thinking? God would promise me this. And God would prepare this for me. And God would give this to me. And God would make it available to me free of charge. All I had to do was acknowledge His goodness and His gift to me. And all I had to do was say, yes, God, I want to get in the flow of Your goodness and Your grace. And I want to be the person You created me to be. And and I gave it all up for what? What was I thinking? pretty cool, the tree of life. The emphasis is on rest. Always has been. That's why for the first time we will experience life without toil. How many of you, when the alarm went off this morning, received a jolt that said, I just couldn't wait for that to happen? Yeah, I am so excited to get up in the morning. I didn't think the thing was ever going to go off. Mm -mm. Maybe you had, you've got to be kidding me. It can't be that time already. Who set that thing so we're How about second service? Yeah. For the first time, you and I will experience life without toil. And i got to tell you, I can't wait to experience life without toil. Where I'm excited to get up, I'm excited to do whatever is in the day to do. Because though there is work, there's no toil in that work. It's pure joy. Now, well, that's what the Bible says, the emphasis is on rest. But the fifth thing I want to tell you about this is kind of a curveball, but it's very true. It's taught in Scripture, although paradise is great. It is not the eternal home that we were made for. All the way through Scripture, no one, the Bible doesn't say Abraham or Moses or David or any of those people were looking for paradise. It never says that. It says they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. It said that they were looking to receive the promises that God had given them, and the promise was certain things that they would inherit. There's no sense that in paradise we inherit anything. There's no sense that in paradise we have any territory. There's no sense in that in paradise any of those things. Now, by the way, paradise still sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It will be great and wonderful. But it's not the eternal home that you and I were made for. Notice, Jesus talks about the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father, take your inheritance. That's a whole different concept. The kingdom, that's another whole concept, prepared for you since the creation of the world. You know, from the creation of the world, there's a number of things the Bible says that God had decided or planned and were fixed in His mind and and so fixed in His mind that they were going to happen. And one was that Jesus would be the Savior of the world. Even from the creation of the world, He knew that we would sin and Jesus had already decided He would be our Savior. Which is why the Bible says that He was like a lamb slain from the creation of the world even though he didn't actually give his life until about two thousand years ago but already in his mind God was designing and preparing an eternal kingdom that you and I would live in and that will be our eternal home and it's definitely different from paradise so are you interested in what that world might be like Let's take a look, maybe a little bit more in detail than what we did on Paradise. Let's take a look at the eternal heaven, not just the present heaven, but the eternal heaven. That is the new earth. Number one, God promises an ultimate king. You ever get tired of going to the voting booth and asking yourself, which is the lesser of two evils? Have you ever said to yourself, it really doesn't make any difference who I vote for. They're all crooked once they get in. Yeah, virtually every American has thought of that and and wrestles with that. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to have a perfect king? Now, here's what I wrote in my margin, okay? Perfect king equals perfect kingdom. It takes that. How do I know Jesus is going to be the king of the new heavens and the new earth? Well, this is exactly what the Bible says. The seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. How many of you have ever sung Handel's Hallelujah Chorus? You recognize that's word for word out of Handel's Hallelujah actually. Handel stole those words from the Bible when he wrote it, all right? The kingdoms of this world, even the kingdoms of the Middle East where violence reigns, the kingdoms of this world will have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. That's a pretty cool thing. The ultimate king. You know what else I wrote? Here's the concept. Jesus is the centerpiece of heaven, the central figure of heaven. It's really all about Him. You know why it's all about Him? Because if there was no Jesus, would there be any heaven? Shake your head like this. There would be no heaven. If there was a heaven, none of us would be there, right? It would be empty. Jesus is the centerpiece of heaven, the central figure of heaven. He chose to become our Redeemer. He chose to come and take on flesh and blood like you and I have. He chose to live on this earth. He chose to give His life as a sacrifice for us. He chose to be our Redeemer. And He chose to prepare a place where we could come and live with Him. And He invited us to live with Him in His world, in His house, for eternity. He's the man. He is. And he's the perfect king. You can bet everything that happens in his kingdom will be done according to his will. That's what's going to make heaven, heaven. So we have the ultimate king. Now the second thing the Bible teaches clearly is we have the ultimate capital city. Just for interest. How many of you have been to Washington, D.C.? Okay? Okay. I've been to Washington, D.C. Aside from the fact that there are tons of murders there, the rest of the city is pretty. Yeah. The rest of the city is beautiful. If you've been to Washington, D.C. in the springtime, you've seen the cherry trees blossom, right? Take your breath away kind of beauty. You've seen the Washington Monument. You've seen the Lincoln Memorial. You've seen the White House. You've seen all the fabulous buildings that are there. If you've toured them, you've seen a copy of the Declaration of Independence. If you've been to the Library of Congress, you look at all that and you think, how can anybody get all that stuff straight? Sure enough, they don't. Yeah. You know, in a sense, Washington, D.C. is supposed to be the glory of our nation. It is. And in fact, when the terrorists decided to bomb the United States, they, they, they decided that they would pick the places that most exemplified the glory of this country. And did they have a couple of those planes headed toward Washington, D.C.? Yeah, they did, because they recognized that our capital is the glory of our country. Well, the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ has a capital It's called New Jerusalem. Notice what the Bible says about it. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now, the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them, and He will be their God. Here's the, here's the key concept. New Jerusalem will be the capital city of the earth where we live. It will also be the seat of Jesus' throne. There's so many things the Bible says about that city that the river of life flows from the throne of Christ. And it goes down and it bisects the main street of the city. Did you know that? It bisects the main street of the city. And then the tree of life grows on both sides of the river of life down the main street of the city. It's a place of fabulous pomp and ceremony. And, and it's just going to be an amazing place. I can't wait to walk in that city myself. I can't wait to see the river of life and to kneel down and take a big drink of the river of life and walk up to the tree of life and pick some fruit and begin to eat it and look. And there on the throne is the ultimate king sitting on the ultimate throne, the wonderful, kind, completely good, loving and perfect King of kings and Lord of lords. It's the ultimate capital city. New Jerusalem will be the glory of heaven. The third thing the Bible says is that God promises eternal rewards I just began to unfold this a little bit a couple of sermons ago. But do you do, do you realize that there's some dimension of heaven that's being determined by how you live today? Take a look at what the Bible says about eternal rewards. The Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. And one more time here in Revelation 22. I, this is Jesus saying this, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to everyone according to what He has done. Now I want you to understand that this is not talking about salvation. Because you don't get salvation based upon what you did. You don't get to be redeemed by doing enough good things. It's not about that. You get redeemed by coming to Jesus and saying, I'm not worthy. I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I realize that the entrance requirement to heaven is perfect holiness, and I fall way short of that, and so I'm coming and saying, Lord, if you don't save me, I can't be saved. But don't for a minute think that once you get to heaven, at that point, nothing is determined by how you lived on this earth, because the Bible is very clear that there are whole dimensions of heaven that are determined by how you live in this life. It's called your eternal rewards. I don't know what all they will be, but I do know this. Those who have decided to become Christians at an early age and those who have made great sacrifices for the advancement of God's kingdom, I do know that heaven will be a vastly greater experience for them. You know, a while ago... I, I I talked about the emphasis on paradise was rest. Well, there's a whole new emphasis in the eternal heaven, and I'm going to talk to you about that in just a minute. But I I have a gut feel that, that the emphasis in the eternal kingdom, that that's going to be determined by how you and I lived on this earth. Let me give you some very practical examples. Some of you... Get up early and you come and you're part of a setup team and you do it not for any credit that that anyone would give you down here, not because we parade you up here on the platform and say these are our fabulous setup guys and gals, but you get up early in the morning and some of you are here at 7 o'clock in the morning and you do it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and you do it in Jesus' name and you do it for the advancement of His kingdom. You know what God would say? I keep a record every time. And you know something, I'm getting ready to reward you someday for every morning you got up at 530 and came down and helped set up the church. We went on a spiritual journey. We're still on it, actually, and it's called Ready. And many of you got in partnership with God and you said, God, what do you want to supply through me so that you can take new life to its campus? And many of you got got on board with that and, and God asked you to give not just a couple hundred bucks, not just a $1,000, but many of you gave $10,000, $20,000, $40,000, and some in this church have given $100,000 and more. You sacrificed to see God's kingdom go forward and you did it in His name. And you know something? God kept a record. And God says, someday I'm going to reward you because in faith you sacrificed to see my kingdom go forward. And I want to tell you this, nothing that you've ever done in the name of Jesus and for the advancement of his kingdom ever escapes God's notice. Think that's going to be fun in heaven? When Jesus said, by the way, remember when you were a kid? What was it that you loved about Christmas? It was Santa Claus in a big bag he carried, right? Because what was in the bag? Presents, right? And you used to sing, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. He He's keeping a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's... They borrowed that from Jesus' eternal rewards. That's exactly what they did. (laughs) But I want to tell you that Santa Claus cannot compare with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when he gets ready to hand out the gifts that he's going to hand out. And by the way, if you study how Jesus interacts with people, do his gifts tend to be stingy or pretty generous? Pretty generous, huh? Wow. Eternal rewards. There's another thing I want to teach you about this, and that is God promises positions of responsibility. Remember I said before that the emphasis of paradise was rest? Well, I want to tell you that the emphasis of heaven, eternal heaven, is always reigning or ruling. That's what the Bible connects with our eternal home, that the saints of God will rule. Now, right away you're thinking, Whoa. I'm not sure that I want to rule. But you have to understand, when God talks about ruling, can you imagine ruling in a place where no one ever wants to disobey? May the Lord give me that kind of family, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, we have a hard time understanding that, that when God talks about us ruling and reigning and it's in here over and over again, take a look. No longer will there be any curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and His servants will worship Him and they will see His face and His name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will, what's the next word? reign forever and ever. Wow. You know what this means? Here's the concept way back. Write this verse down. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. That's where God gave man his original mandate and his original mandate was that man would rule and reign and take dominion of this earth and rule it for God's glory. We get to resume That particular position, and God once again gives us the honor of ruling and reigning in this world for His glory. Can you imagine with me getting a group of people together in heaven, and you're going to plant a garden for Jesus? And so you ask, anybody have a green thumb when you lived on this earth before? Because if you did, we're making a garden for Jesus. You want to come along and help? Now, can you imagine supervising a project in heaven and you're going to build a great building for the honor and glory of Jesus and every single piece of trim in that building is put on perfectly because it's for the King of Kings? And every detail is meticulously taken care of because you're all looking forward to the day when you go get Jesus by the hand and say, hey, come and look what we made for you. And we all stand outside and we watch His face light up. You know why I say that? Because it's very clear in Scripture that God made us to be builders and God made us to be explorers And it's very clear in heaven that as we rule and reign, we're not trying to get a bunch of obstinate people to do what we think they ought to do. We're not trying to get a bunch of obstinate animals to do what we think they ought to do. But we will be ruling and reigning in a culture where everyone is perfectly cooperative. Can you imagine when we all cooperate what we're able to build the kingdoms of heaven are going to be outstanding. You know something? I kind of suspect that those who have given their lives completely to the Lord and those who have worked for the advancement of His kingdom on this earth and in the name of Jesus, I kind of suspect that those might be the people who are the leaders in God's eternal home. That's such a great thought. Let's take a look at one more thing. God promises an extravaganza of multicultural experiences. Some of you love to travel. I particularly love to travel. Monica loves to travel. And we like to for so many, many reasons. And I'm not just talking about travel around the United States. I'm talking about traveling around the world. And when we travel around the world, we love to go out and be with the people where they actually live and not just stay in the American hotels that are around. And we love to eat the food that people in those locations eat. And we love to take in as much of their culture as we can possibly take in because there's Something about embracing the cultures of other people that enriches your own life. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Well, the Bible very clearly says there will be nations in heaven. Take a look. This city, we're talking about the holy city, the new Jerusalem does not need sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the land is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Have you been to Disney World? In Florida, and it's like traveling around the world and seeing the various cultures and, and so forth. Can you imagine what the new Jerusalem is going to be like? There's no Imagineer in Disney that's ever been able to come up with what God has prepared for us. Can you imagine all the various cultures with all their different kinds of music and their different kinds of art and and their different their their different kinds of literature and their different kinds of dress um, and, and and their different kinds of dance and as they prepare to bring their art and their dance and their music before the King of Kings and you and I get to take a seat along the main street of the New Jerusalem and we watch nation after nation come in and present to the King of Kings their culture and what they're going to do for His glory and for His honor. It will be truly an amazing time. Now there are so many, many more things that I would love to be able to spell out for you that the Bible says we're going to be doing up in heaven. Now for those of you who thought we would be disembodied spirits who somehow just sat around and sang forever and ever about Jesus. Okay? You understand that heaven's a little different than that? It's a great place to be fully alive and have unlimited life. It's a great place to see Jesus face to face and unlimited companionship with the Son of God, to be with all the redeemed, to be with all the people who have ever lived, who have chosen to accept Jesus, to see Moses and David and Abraham and even people that are alive today that you don't know are the equals to Moses and Abraham and Elijah, but they're just not as well known to, to, to get to meet them and to share stories and to build things together and to travel and explore God's eternal world and God's eternal universe. And oh yes, for all of you pet lovers, we have every indication that there will be animals in heaven as well. For the Bible says that the lamb and the lion will lie down together and a child will play by the whole of a viper. Why? Because even the animals will be redeemed and they will live in perfect harmony. It's a fabulous world that God has called us to. As we close, I just want to give you two thoughts. The first one is the best one I can give you. We are going there. You know, as I was praying about this, I was thinking... Each one of us goes through different stages as we plan a vacation. Somebody says, hey, you know where we ought to go on vacation this year? We ought to go to Disneyland. And you know, once you start to process that, as you talk around with other people, and they say, hey, where are you going, where are you going this year on vacation? You, you will use this term. Well, we're thinking about going to Disneyland. Okay? Okay. But as you talk about it more and you begin to lay plans, okay? Then when somebody asks you and says, hey, where are you going? You don't say, we're thinking about going to Disneyland. You say, we're planning to go to Disneyland. You see, there, there's a change that's taking place. Uh, and, and by the way, most of the time we choose those words subconsciously, but they reflect what's going on down in here. When you finally make the decision, we are going. You know, we're we're going to go to Disneyland. Then, when someone says to you, "Hey, where are you going on vacation this year?" you say, "Well, we're going to go to Disneyland." But it's not until you buy the tickets that when someone asks you where you're going, you say, "We are going to Disneyland. I got the tickets already." Now, think about this with me for a minute. We are going to heaven. We are. All the things I've talked to you about today, those are not fairyland stuff. Those are as sure as the promises of God and that's the place that He's preparing for us. And and our life on this earth is short, but our life in eternity is, you can't measure it. It it has no limit. It's such an exciting thing and yet the sad thing is often we don't think about where we're going. We get so caught up in where we are today that we have no time to think about this eternity that we were really created for and that God's redeeming us too. We are going there, but the second part is just as true, but not without a ticket. You know, it's not until you get the tickets that you actually say, we're going to Disneyland. And you know, you can live all your life and say, I'm hoping to go to heaven. I sure want to go to heaven. I'm kind of planning on going to heaven. I've been hanging around church. Okay? But the bottom line is, if you don't have a ticket, you don't go. That's how it works. Now, the tickets are free. They've been paid for by Jesus Christ. And they're made available to all of us. And I'm going to pray. And while I pray, What I've prayed already today and actually before today as well is that there would be people in our audience this morning who would get that issue settled today. That they would recognize that heaven is such a fantastic place that absolutely the most disappointing thing could ever happen in your life is for you to live all of this life and never get a ticket to eternal life and to pass from this life into the next life and find yourself on the outside of heaven looking in and asking yourself the one question you will ask for eternity, what was I thinking? Why did I not take advantage of God's offer? So if you hear God calling you and you recognize, well, I'll tell you what, that's the one thing I don't want to miss, then while I pray, you make that decision. Father, we're so blessed that you are preparing for us an eternity of fabulous activities and wonderful experiences and the joy of being with you and the joy of being on an earth where everything is perfect and nothing ever wears out and all the people are cooperative and and there's perfect harmony and there's perfect joy and there's an eternity to to plant gardens and build things and explore and travel and see Waterfalls that take away our breath and and, and beauty and wonder that we get just a tiny preview of on this earth. Oh God, we are so blessed and You are so good. And that You would make that available to us and You would make it available free of charge through Jesus is truly exemplary of Your goodness and Your grace. So this morning, Lord, we come into Your presence and we acknowledge that we fall short of the one thing we need to get there, and that is perfect holiness. We fall so far short. So God, we pray even today that in the name of Jesus, You would forgive us that you would wipe our record clean, that you would give us the grace to come to Christ, that you would give us the grace to kneel at the foot of the cross and say, I give up trying to save myself, and I recognize that Jesus is the only one who can save me. Lord, I pray for any in our audience this morning who have not made that choice. God, would you enable them to get that settled today? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information and past sermons, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.